This is the official HITS training and consulting podcast. We are America's law enforcement canine training resource. We're raising the training bar for police dogs everywhere by discussing the intricate details of the training techniques used by the experts. HITS radio is merging the training world with the real world. You've been there. We've been there too. Welcome to HITS radio. I'm your host, Jeff Meyer. Today, I have uh, one of the HITS partners, Ted Douse, with me, and we're recording this on uh, April 7th, 2020. Yesterday, on April 6th, 2020, the uh, Supreme Court of the United States issued a a ruling that's going to benefit those of us who are cops. So I thought it'd be a good time to have Ted come on and kind of explain this brand new ruling and uh, what the ramifications are of it and, you know, maybe the right and wrong way to uh, interpret it. So how are you doing today, Ted? Doing well. Hope everybody out there is listening is uh, staying coronavirus free as I'm uh, still going to work uh, for about half days here in the Broward State Attorney's Office down in Fort Lauderdale. So crazy, crazy time here. Craziest stuff we've no through, uh, no doubt. So uh, I think I'm sure we'll get through it on the other end much stronger. But uh, it's good to hear that the Supreme Court's still working. And it seems like, uh, in your opinion, is the Supreme Court starting to, to lean a little bit more towards our our end of the ball ball uh, field well yeah it looks like they at least in search and seizure issues in a general sense uh the new court um because you have two new judges um tends to lean itself to the conservative side and that's where we come up with today's podcast which is uh kansas versus glover it's g-l-o-v-e-r and as you said it just came out uh april the 6th which was yesterday and um, it talks about if you know the owner of the vehicle um, has a suspended license, then you have reasonable suspicion to stop the vehicle um, to issue that citation. And the exact holding is, is that uh, Justice Thomas, for those of you that like to be, um, you know, read opinions and see who writes them and things of that nature, uh, he held that a deputy had reasonable suspicion to stop the vehicle registered to a defendant based upon common sense inferences that the defendant whose license had been revoked was the likely driver. That's kind of the nutshell version uh-huh. of what the case, uh, the case holds. So what was the, what, what were the facts of the case? Uh, obviously it, somebody made a traffic stop, but if you can kind of explain what happened on that and how it wound its way all the way through to the Supreme court. Yeah. The basic nutshell version is, is that it was obviously a case out of Kansas and it says the, uh, uh, traffic investigative officer conducted the stop and he runs the vehicle's license plate and based upon he learns that the registered owner had a revoked driver's license and so therefore then he basically pulls over the vehicle based upon the information contained from the i guess a combination of running the license plate and saying okay it belongs to john doe uh, in this case charles glover and uh, um, and then you go through your DMV checks, and Charles Glover um, uh, has a suspended driver's license. Um, and then, based upon that information, um, you can have the inferences that the owner of the vehicle is the driver of the vehicle. Uh, and so, therefore, you can make a traffic stop based upon that. You can initiate it says a brief investigation traffic stop um, based upon the objective faces. Uh, at the time. So I guess what they're talking about in objective faces, obviously you don't want to be out there, you know, clearly if it's Charles Glover, you know, he's a, a, let's say a white male, you don't want to be pulling over a female that's driving. Yeah. 
Um, you don't want to be pulling over a black male or obviously Hispanic male. Um, and clearly, uh, is you probably use some common sense. If Charles Glover is, let's say, 65 years old, and clearly the person, let's say, is under 30 driving the vehicle, then uh, you can use some common sense. But uh, it appears to be, look, if you if you meet the, you know, it doesn't talk about having those other factors. I'm just yeah. asking our police officers out there to use some common sense because when you when you have a win, and this is clearly a win. Um, you don't want to invite them to rethink it, you know, and next thing you know, Charles Glover's just registered owner with a suspended license and you pull over, you know, Beverly Smith, um, you know, clearly, you know, you don't want any issues related to that, but yeah, bottom line is if it's a basically in the same ballpark with, uh, you know, a a white male driving with the same, let's say basic age range, probably within 10 years or so, um, you could pull that person over. Um, because they say it's reasonable to assume that the person that has the suspended license is the person driving the vehicle. Well, that's a big win here in uh, in the current status of the law, uh, because uh, I can see in some aspects this case kind of, you know, reasonable people could probably argue in the opposite. And, you know, I can understand um, sure. the issue. Now, they, they did talk a lot about reasonable suspicion. For the traffic stop is something short of 51 percent so it's not that probable cause scenario so they really just got into it you know what's reasonable what can you expect is it likely and of course it, it does talk about it. it's a it's a nice read for the casual officer that likes to read a little bit of case law getting some thinking in because it, it does acknowledge sure. that you know could you loan your vehicle out to someone sure you can somebody can borrow the vehicle sure they can um you know so those type of issues were all addressed uh and they said well but it's still reasonable inference basically um you don't have to be perfect so they don't they you know they they talk about not 51 percent accuracy because it's just reasonable suspicion um so the bottom line is um they allowed that particular uh stop to be upheld based upon running of the um the tag information and then coming back with a suspended license. Okay. So what happens if I, you know, I got say I have a plate reader on my car and it dings and tells me the car in front of me has a, the, you know, fits the criteria. He's got a suspended license. I can't really see the driver much at all. Maybe, you know, truck, whatever, whatever reason I can't really see him. So I pull him over and it clearly is not Charles Glover. I, I did pull over Betty Davis and, and now do I have to end that right now or I'm a, Kind of well, I would say, yeah, but I would say probably if it's blatantly obvious, I'll use that term uh-huh. because they, clearly if you don't meet the right race or you don't meet the right gender, uh, I would just probably go up and tell the person, hey, I'm sorry, the um, registered owner is, you know, Charles yeah. Glover. And um, we thought that Charles Glover might be driving, which he's not allowed to do. So uh, maybe say um, that's the reason for the stop. You're clearly not Mr. Glover. So I apologize for any convenience and you, yeah. and you let him move on. Um, but, but it doesn't say that you have to know those factors. Sure. Like you're, you're right. I mean, if you, it doesn't say that you have to develop gender or you have yeah. to develop race. Um, it says it really based upon the information from the tag of the registered owner and the registered owner status of his driver's license gives you a reasonable inference that he or she would be operating the motor vehicle. So if I, if that did happen, I walked up and it was a a female and I thought it was Charles Glover's car, but as a female and she happened to be DUI, then we're going to still probably go with that. Well, you know, you, that, that's where you, you know, 
you, you would think if you're pulling somebody over for DUI that you would probably have some other factors involved. Like maybe they were weaving and, um, you know, it may be 2 a.m. And, you know, there's other issues related to that. I mean, um, remember, this was a case just based upon a pure license plate records check. There was no speeding. There was no weaving. There's no civil violation that you would you know, write the citation for. So hopefully in DUI, you wouldn't stumble into a, a DUI. I think somebody, let's say driving, I don't know, use the term appropriately within the speed limit, not weaving, using appropriate control of the car, not speeding, you know, that type of thing. You probably don't generally, let's say, encounter people that are driving appropriately and then stumble into a DUI. I guess you could, you certainly could, I guess, but, um, you know, let's all, you know, you got to be, use a little bit of common sense. If the reason for pulling somebody over is because you thought a male in his forties, a white male in his forties was, had a suspended driver's license. Um, and you're, you walk up and it's a female, you may want to just say, Hey, I'm sorry, this is what's going on. And, 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 you know, let them go on their way, so to speak. You know, but here's the kicker. If you, here's the good kicker. Let's say you do meet the criteria. Um, the person's, you know, approximately 40 and they are white. You go up and you, now from there, you're clear to go. I mean, if you smell marijuana at the door or you see something contraband or um, whatever is going on at the vehicle, um, then you're you're subject to um, a valid stop, at least at that particular point sure. in time. Yeah, and I, I know what you're saying is that sometimes as cops, we kind of screw up a good thing sometimes. So just use common sense so we don't, uh, you know, piss off the court and make them take another look at it, I guess is what you're saying. Right. I mean, just this is a good case because, again, let me just review a couple quick facts for you. It's that the um, this officer in Kansas um, ran the tag. It came back to Charles Glover Jr. Um, the deputy that made the stop in Kansas assumed that the registered owner of the truck was also the driver, Charles Glover Jr. He did not observe any traffic infractions. He did not attempt to identify the driver of the truck in any basic way. Now, and give me throw the caveat, and I'm asking you to, you know, attempt to, because you know, to you know, do race, gender, basic age, but it doesn't require you to do that. But um, it probably be a good idea to attempt to do that. But it said based solely on the information of the registered owner of the truck, uh, had a revoked driver's license. The deputy initiated the traffic stop. Um, and indeed it ended up being Charles Glover Jr. in this particular case. Uh, and they said that stop based upon the running of the owner of the vehicle and running of the license that showed me it was suspended meets the reasonable suspicion standard. So it's going to be a nice tool for law enforcement, um, that you, I mean, I guess if you're out there and you're, you're running tags and the, um, you come back, DMV says, well, the owner of the vehicle has a suspended license. You could pull them over based upon that because it gives reasonable, reasonable suspicion to the law enforcement officer. So I should tell you that the court was, for everybody likes statistics, it was eight to one. Um, and believe it or not, the one, I'll let everybody pick a guess for which one it was and you're in the world. So drum roll, please. And it was Sonia Sotomayor who was... Um, um, the lone dissenting judge, um, even Justice Kagan, who is you know, is a liberal moderate, and Justice Ginsburg, who is a pure liberal, uh, joined with the majority of the court to say that this was okay, that it was reasonable suspicion. So Judge Justice Sotomayor was the only dissenting opinion. Um, 
saying that she thought it was uh, inappropriate. So, uh, so one time in 110 years of her life, she Ginsburg voted with the cops, right? So we're well, you know, <laughs> well, and I always say for those of you that have ever seen my lecture, you got to remember that Harris, Florida versus Harris, was a 9 yeah, uh, dog true. reliability. So since we're a, a dog handler scenario, we did get Ruth Bader Ginsburg to vote that uh, drug dogs are reliable. So, uh, and we actually got Sotomayor to vote that drug dogs are reliable. So, uh, not all bad there, but uh, yeah. So basically, but it what's it's a good indication that it's a strong opinion. Uh, I mean, a lot of times you get five to four opinions, and you get four really bright people saying you know X, and the five really bright people saying Y. Um, here, um, the Supreme Court's really laying, no pun intended, laying down the law that uh, that is a uh, is a almost unified court that this was acceptable. Um, so it's really given good guidance to your judges and your counties and your states uh, all across the country that follow um, search and seizure law through the United States Supreme Court that uh, this is actually good, solid law that's not really going to be finagled you know, 10 years down the road or anything. This this opinion should survive. And hopefully um, this is a any- sign of, of good things to come from the court, like the the ruling that you and I talked to about a couple of months ago out of the federal court, I think it was out of, uh, I think it was Kentucky, where if you ask a driver even how his day's going, you've, you've extended the traffic stop. So um, hopefully- Yeah, you get some crazy, yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of craziness here. But yeah, this this is a good sign that, if there are search and seizure cases out there that, you know, again, you know, um, the statistical scenario for everybody out there, a case getting to the United States Supreme Court is a 1.8% um, of the cases they're asked to hear, do they actually hear and write an opinion on? So if you're, we're lucky enough to get a case up there to the United States Supreme Court where they actually decide it or choose to decide it, you got to good indication that um, the court's probably leaning towards the law enforcement point of view uh, in the current makeup of the court. Are there any other cases coming down the uh, pipeline during this session that you know of? Um, Not that I know of. There very well could be. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. And um, I know the court's not currently hearing oral arguments. Uh, They've suspended them for the term, for the rest of the term. But they're still writing opinions based upon what they heard last fall and maybe earlier in the term, like in maybe January, February. So you will get opinions coming out up until the end of June. Uh, Then the court will finish what is pending to write on by the end of June. Um, And then they've rescheduled a bunch of oral arguments that were scheduled for like March, April and May that they would have heard um, absent the virus and the issues and things of that nature. Uh, I want to tell everybody, as I'm sure you're probably going to hit on, that um, so uh, the HITS is still currently on for August the 18th. So um, I know we got a little bit of time to go up and down this virus curve, but hopefully it gets out of our system by like May, May-ish in the next 30 days or so. And we still want to see everybody in Phoenix August 18th. Uh, the hits in Phoenix, Arizona. So we're still playing on as it stands right now. Um, you know, pencil it in, go see your supervisors in um, May and June and see if they'll authorize your travel. Assuming we're out of the virus curve here. Yep. Should be good. By all indications, I think we'll be reasonably back to normal and it'll actually be a, a nice time to get away and uh, 
and you can always make a, a nice uh, couple extra days of it down there. It's a resort hotel, yeah, a, so it'll be a it's nice a nice uh, Western to... resort in um, in Scottsdale, Arizona, actually. So um, it's uh, you know golf course and pools and spas and things of that nature, and we have around ninety vendors signed up. So. Um, and as an indication of things still moving forward, you just signed up a new vendor last last uh, week. We so. did. We just sold so a, a vendor booth know, this week, and I, I got an inquiry today about you know, only having I think six booths left or something yeah. to that effect. So, so I think so, most um, people are planning on on life returning to normal here sooner rather than later. So, should be a another uh, another great event. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be nice to get back in the rhythm. Yeah, and here's a quick little little side note. Florida versus Harris was actually used um, in one of the arguments to um, show that you, just as dogs don't have to be, you know, a hundred percent in sniffing a vehicle, uh, they noted that was a, a distinction in the law that they also you don't have to be a hundred percent when you see a driver. So actually, ironically, Florida versus Harris dog reliability from the Supreme Court in 2013 which all our listeners are probably familiar with by now um, was a case that aided the court in making this reasonable suspicion type of inquiry um, and that you don't have to have a certain 51 or 62 or 73% accuracy for all the old time handlers. Remember that, you know, you were calculating statistics. Um, the court says, Hey, Florida versus Harris doesn't have a statistical analysis to it. Um, and you don't have to reduce it to precision definitions or quantifications, and you don't have to do that in as far as the uh, driver of the vehicle. So it's kind of nice. There's your there's your dog linkage into uh, into uh, Kansas versus Glover that they used a little bit of uh, Florida versus Harris dog case law in to reach their decision. So excellent. Well, thanks, Ted. I appreciate you always staying on top of this. It's uh, great having an expert, you know, as part of our our company here. So. Whenever these well, things I come out, it, I, I appreciate taking the time to let everybody know what's going on. So, no, all right. So, folks, uh, again, uh, www.hitsk9.net, and uh, hope everybody's staying safe and gets through this real well, and that we see a lot of you out there um, in Phoenix, Arizona, in August for our Hits National Conference. Yep, and then I'll put uh, our contact information as always in the show notes. But if you have a question for Ted, his email is real easy. It's ted at hitsk9.net. And if you have anything for me, jeff at hitsk9.net. I'm always looking for uh, more questions for our trainers panel. Right now, while everybody's uh, kind of slow and doing uh, a lot of stay-at-home stuff, I've got a lot of trainers that we're going to put panels together. So if you have any good uh, questions you want solved by a whole host of trainers, just send me an email at jeff at hitsk9.net. Until uh, next time, thanks, everybody. Stay safe out there. Take care. If you're looking to make an investment in your canine career, come the HITS 2020. There's no substitute for the real thing. Whether you're a new handler who's looking to learn more about dog training or an experienced trainer who's looking for new training ideas and techniques, come the HITS 2020 where the investment is well worth the return. HITS 2020 will have more classes and more vendors who give away more free raffle gifts and free cash than ever before. HITS is the world's largest canine seminar and is open to police officers and military members. Our experience makes the difference. You've been there and we've been there too.